Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for joining me today on Invest Talk. It is Thursday, January 10th, 2019, and we've had a very good start for the new year. After the worst December in history, we've had, well, this is the best start in, I think, 13 years for January. I'm Steve Peasley, and I do welcome you, and I thank you for joining me today. Our daily objective here is to make you a better investor, an above-average investor, and to help you achieve that, I promise to give you unbiased opinions and insight as best I can, answer your questions, any investment questions, and uh, to do that, you need to call. Our listener line is always open, 888-99-CHART. So you're going to answer any question you want. We're live right now, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Well, what happened today in the market? Well, the Dow opened up. Uh, the market was down probably half the day and up half the day. The Dow, the FANG stocks opened lower. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, but they not, not, not all ended up that way. We talk about these stocks because they're kind of market drivers of all the last year, you know, in 2017 and most of 2018. Then there were the market leaders on the downside in December, you know, September through December. I mean, that was a pretty painful time. So I do that because they kind of are the leaders. Everybody's paying attention. So we talk, we pay attention to what's going on in the news on those stocks. And I'm sure you heard about Jeff Bezos and his wife. For those who don't know, Bezos is the founder of Amazon.com. And he still owns like 16% of the company. So he's like the world's richest man. $140, $150 billion. That's how much he's worth. And he's the CEO, uh, CEO, and uh, the news was, well, if he's getting a divorce, what's going to happen? Because the wife's going to get half of that. She gets half of that. Does she get half of the voting rights? Is she is it going to change the company? The chances are good that the answer be no, because her wealth is also tied into the success of Amazon. So I'm sure she's not going to do anything that will, you know, upset her own apple cart, I would think. That's what I'm thinking. Oil is about $51 a barrel today, uh, bouncing off its lows. Uh, and it's now at a three-week high. Remember, it got crushed last year. I think the average gallon of gasoline is like $2.23. We got under $2 at certain places. Not in California. We are taxed up the yin-yang here on, on gasoline. Uh, you know, they never got below $3 a barrel, $3 a gallon. So... Yeah, here it's expensive. And, uh, of course, you know, the retail sector with Jeff Bezos running Amazon and Amazon kind of dominating and growing so strong in the retail sector, you got other retail stocks like uh, Macy's. Their stock profit plunged. Outlook was slashed. JCPenney, they're closing three stores. And that's to say nothing of what's going on with Sears and going BK. Or maybe being bought out of, uh, you know, it, you know, going private with uh, on offer. But 
you know, now uh, to offset that, Target and Walmart are doing pretty well. If you're big enough and you have a online solution for your Amazon competitors, you should be okay. And Walmart and Target seem to have an answer, you know, with with their competition with Amazon. So we'll see about that. I mean, Target stock has come up due to higher sales, but it took its hits in December like everybody else. So what's going to happen? An Apple investor, Apple has bounced after its hit, you know, got hurt with a 10% fall. It's bounced up from there. Is it, is it time to buy back into Apple? Is Apple a good price? How about Google? How about Microsoft? How about Netflix? How about the other FANG stocks? Uh, the only one I like of that group as far as value is concerned is Apple and possibly Microsoft. Let's see what Microsoft is, just out of curiosity. See what the, yeah. Microsoft is a possibility. Why? Because it's got a forward PE of around 20. And the five-year range is 15 to 28. So that's a possibility, you know, valuation-wise. Remember, I'm a value investor, so I look for those good values. And I think Microsoft might qualify. Now, as you can tell, there's always lots of market news about today. Every day, there always, always is a lot of news. And there's a lot of noise. Don't always listen to what the Wall Street people are saying. you got to kind of take your own path and understand what's going on yourself. Because you don't know who's giving you wrong information or who is stressing the, the information that they should be downgrading and, and ignoring the information they should be stressing. So you don't know that when you're listening to the just the news or reading the news. You have to decide that. So... I want to thank everybody for joining my class today. Um, we talked about economic cycles, economic analysis, and you know you would have learned something that's going on here. I think it's very interesting. Uh, but okay, let's go ahead and grab our first question of the day. I mean, you can, don't want me to talk forever. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, um, my name is Jen. I had a question about IRAs and four hundred one ks and other retirement accounts. And I was wondering what your take on IUL or an index universal life is compared to an IRA, Roth IRA, or 401k. Thank you. Okay, try to remember that. If you're, okay, you're talking apples and oranges here. Uh, universal life, whole life, those are insurance products. An IRA, a 401k, that is a type of an investment account. So you have an insurance product over on one side that you're saying, how is that compared with a type of account? It doesn't compute. Inside of type of account, you can have a universal life or a whole life or annuity, but why? There's no reason to have it. I would stay away from completely from universal life and whole life. I do not like them. They are insurance products that make insurance companies very wealthy. They pretend they're life insurance and an investment uh, investment product. When in fact, they had they collect the premium for the insurance part and the money that you put in toward the investment part of those things is don't you know is much less than if you just took the money and bought a, a term life insurance, took the difference and put all that money in a you know in a stock account in an IRA, open an IRA and buy inside that IRA an index fund or two. That would make much more sense. So you're talking apples and oranges. Insurance product versus types of accounts. Uh, 
You can have an individual account. You can have an IRA account. You can have a 401k account. You can have a joint account. Or you can buy an insurance policy. Or you can buy a, a universal life policy. Or you can buy an annuity uh, annuity with the from insurance company. You see, there's two different things there. Apples and oranges. Okay. If any of the information discussed on today's program raises further questions in your mind with regard to how you know markets work or the news, go ahead and reach out and ask me. Or you can talk to Justin or myself or send us an email if you don't want to do it on the radio. You can do that through investtalk.com. You can call our data point office in California or send us that message through investtalk.com email. We'll answer it. Our anytime listener line never closes, and it's at the moment. And at the moment, I am taking your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, and Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose to meet with Invest Talk listeners that understand the value of receiving a free portfolio review from Steve. Mark your calendar, Wednesday, January 23rd. If you live anywhere in Northern California, you should reserve your space for a no-cost portfolio review consultation. Register now at investtalk.com. You've got finance and investment questions. Steve is here and you can get his unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Our main talking point today, in the latest auction, we saw the weakest treasury demand since 2008. Now, I talked about bonds. It's about talking about the bond market from the federal government. The, how do you think the government funds its debt? It has to issue bonds. That's how they fund the deficit. You know, so if you bring in, we bring in a trillion dollars worth of income tax or taxes and you spend a trillion and a half, where does the other half trillion come from? comes from the government issuing bonds so they can get the money, so they can pay the bills. They have to issue bonds. So that's what we're talking about, the weakest treasury demand since 2008. Now, some of the other topics I want to talk about. Is this current rally that we had in January, is it sustainable? There are certain things that have to happen to make it sustainable, and we're going to talk about that. Okay, with the minutes from the last Fed meeting was released, and I think it's a good time to discuss what they were all talking about, because <laughs> that's going to affect interest rates. And self-made millionaires all did this one thing in school that may shock parents. What was it? What did they do? So there was a survey of uh, of of millionaires, self-made millionaires, not, you didn't, not, you know, you inherited the money, but you made it yourself. What did these guys, what did these self-made millionaires have all in common in school? Kind of interesting reading, I thought. We're gonna, those are what we're going to talk about, but what's on your mind is important, so why don't you tell me what you want to talk about? The market was up again, up 123 points on the Dow, up 29 points on the um, NASDAQ, and up 12 points on the S&P. Um, I look. I, I, it appears to me that the rally is slowing. Therefore, the question is: Is it going to be uh, sustainable? I mean, and are we going to retest the lows that we just had? We're going to see. It's always fun to take questions from our listeners. Here's one that came in earlier: eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Thanks for helping the little guy. I'm a sixty seven year old from Illinois. 
two-year listener new to investing. I have a question about DPZ, Domino's Pizza. I'm thinking about selling my 100 shares. I want to know if its fundamentals are still good under the new CEO and if you think I should sell it. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Domino's Pizza, franchises operator, of, it has 14,800 pizza delivery and carry-out restaurants in over 85 markets around the world. So we're talking about a $10 billion company. It's not small. Earnings are strong. Earnings are going to be up. The estimate is to be up uh, 47% this year and another 13% next year. So what does that mean as far as valuations? Well, it's a nine. Uh, they're going to make $9.54. So let's just call it 10 that means that a stock is at 246, so you're talking about a 10 or 11 PE, right? I mean, no, I'm sorry. Talking about a 25, 26 PE, right? Maybe 20, maybe 24. Um, it, you know, you're just trying, remember, you're trying to estimate. The growth rate of sales is pretty strong, around 20%. But you're right, they just had a new CEO, so, you know, hopefully you can keep them on track. I think it. I think it's a bit expensive, for a food company. Uh, this is expensive. The the P, it should be no. It should be more of a market PE. But Domino's with its fast growth, has always sported a higher PE than the market PE. But your question should be: Can it sustain that growth going forward? Are we going to be able to sustain it? And I, I'm thinking that. Uh, it's a very tough business to sustain that kind of growth. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking we're not. I think that the PE will contract, and therefore the stock probably doesn't have much of an upside anymore. Um, can it go back up to $300 a share? Well, yeah, it could from 246 But I think it's going to take a while and be very difficult to do that. Still a great company. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the company at all. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I want to thank you for making this program a part of your routine. Justin and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. We really do want Invest Talk to be not only instructive, but more interesting as well. And whenever you have investing questions, I really encourage you to, you know, ask them. You know, uh, if you listen to podcasts, you still can ask questions. Call our 888-99-CHART number anytime. This is Invest Talk, the KPP premium newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to our friend Manu in Fremont. Want to talk about the market. How are you doing, Manu? Uh, good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Steve, I think I was... Uh, I listened to the uh, interview with Mr. Powell uh, regarding this uh, federal debt. It's uh, uh-huh. $21.9 and uh, right. he said it's going out by one trillion deficit every year. Yep. I remember it used to be six uh, trillion when uh, Bush took 
uh, off or Obama to call. So, mm -hmm. if they raise the interest, that means the interest will be also raised on that, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what Remember, interest our, our, our do they have on the public? I mean, it's a very dangerous situation, isn't it? Yes, I was. Ta I talked about it on the uh, invest uh, on the uh, inve the, uh, the academy, you know, the class I put together today, uh, and I the, I showed that the the, the debt is at about twenty twenty one trillion dollars, which is about a hundred percent of our GDP, which is about the same amount, and it's at a highest it's been on, as a relationship to GDP as it was after World War Two, after paying for World War Two. And I said, the problem that this presents to the economy is it's going to reduce the flexibility. It, it takes liquidity out of the economy because the federal government has to pay that debt with the issuance of bonds. And one of my talking points today is where the, 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 the bond issuance is the bonds. There's so many bonds being issued that the coverer, and I hate to get into that right now, that, well, anyways, it's causing problems. It will cause stress. It will cause uh, less flexibility by the federal government and the Federal Reserve to fight the next recession. It takes liquidity out of the system. Yeah, it will be a problem. No one knows how much debt is a problem based on the size of your economy. Is it 100%? Or is it 150% of GDP or 200? What is it? No one really knows that. But there is a tipping point where it will throw us into a deep recession. And I don't know what that number is. Manu, I totally don't. Appreciate the call, though. Good question. Thank you. Let's go to Rick in Oregon. How you doing, Rick? Hi, Stephen. You. Appreciate your call. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so um, we're looking at Willamette Valley Vineyards, and we're wondering if now would be a great time to get into it. Um, looks like it has gone down. I've been noticing over the past uh, several years, it's been spiking right around the summertime, and I believe that's probably because that's when sales are peaking, especially during the summertime. Um, and then also they're looking at um, starting to give out a dividend, and I'm not sure if this would be a great time to get into this one. Can you take a look at it? Sure, Wallamute Valley. That, that isn't that a location in in Washington somewhere, or where is that? It's, it's between, yeah, between Washington and Oregon. So we have our Willamette. Valley, okay. So like that kind of goes into like Eastern Oregon, all the way up into like you know, um, like Tri City. Okay. We have like the wine country, but um, okay. the ticker is okay. W E V I. I got it. It is a public company. It is a really, really tiny. So that should tell you right there, Rick, that it's high risk, okay? It's a $35 million. That is a micro cap company. And micro cap companies can get very, very volatile. Uh, they do make money. They made money in 2017, 46 cents a share. 2018, I don't know. I don't even have an estimate for it. Because not too many people follow it because it's too small. Not you know, It's too small for the big Wall Street guys to follow it and, you know, give us their estimates. Sales growth in recent is around 6 to 10% a quarter. So they're growing pretty decently their sales. Now, 
It has fallen from eight dollars and fifty cents. Eight dollars fifty cents was back in July to six dollars and seventy cents, and now it's recovered to seven dollars and ten cents. You know, recovering with the market. This would be a very high speculative stock, Rick. So only put the money in that you're not, you know, you're willing to lose. So don't put too much money into this because it's too risky, too volatile. Um, um, but the fundamentals look decent. I mean, they, the company looks looks good without too much debt. Management owns 11%. I mean, it looks decent. It's just not my kind of stock because it's way too small. Okay? Good luck with it. I hope it works for you, Rick. Thank you for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So in the Fed Fund meeting that the recent minutes being released showed that a lot of those people not necessarily agreeing, not necessarily agreeing. Okay? So when they when I say they're not necessarily agreeing, that means they're not all on the same page as whether they should raise rates or not raise rates. We're going to get into that a little more depth. Tomorrow Invest Talk, 11 questions to ask yourself when you're panicking about the stock market. To help make you the most of 2019, you need to know how you will react to what you, what you saw in 2018. How did you react in 2008 if you were investing in the market? That's going to be tomorrow. But now I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. The time is now, and if you act now, the benefit to your financial future could be measurably significant. This is your chance to sharpen your investing skills through a valuable online classroom learning opportunity, InvestTalk Academy. Enrollment in InvestTalk Academy will introduce you to a weekly series of live investing classes conducted by KPP Financial Principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. You'll profit from a critical degree of focused mentoring led by Steve and Justin. Hear their full analysis of the market. Follow along with charts and data points. Understand technical and fundamental analysis. Develop the mindset to become a successful investor. InvestTalk Academy offers an unprecedented value for serious investors. Register now at InvestTalkAcademy.com. Steve and Justin are always grateful when you make InvestTalk a part of your daily routine. And their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go to our main talking point here. Um, the weakest treasuries, the weakest treasuries demand since 2008, since Ben bond market warning, sends a warning. Okay, I explained it today during the class. How does the how does it work? What the government does when it wants to issue bonds, treasuries, and remember they're issuing bonds to pay the debt because we're spending more money. The government is spending more money than it takes in in tax dollars. So how does it how does it spend that money? Well, it issues bonds. So that they can take that money and spend it on the uh, spend it. So, anyways, how they do it? They decide. They, meaning the government, decides. Well, how many bonds do we want to issue? And a recent offering. Let's see if I can get that number. Was like I think it was like ten billion dollars. 
uh, worth of bond. Yeah, uh, it was about about that. Let's see, twenty four billion. Okay, so they what they do is they announce they're going to to all the big bond buyers prior to really issuing the bonds that they're going to offer these bonds, and the these bond buyers make make a bid, say, well, I'll buy a billion of that. For two, but but you have to pay me two point seven percent interest rate. Another one might say, "Well, I want to buy two billion of that that issue, but I want three point two percent." So they gather all these bids. They mean the government averages the 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 uh, amount of interest that they think they have to pay to attract everybody to buy the bonds. And why? And so then they make the actual offering of the bonds. And this, this article is talking about the weakest treasury demand since 2008. Well, what, what we have a lot more demand for our bonds than they actually need to issue. And it's a cover ratio of like two and a half times more demand than the actual bonds that we need. But that's that the recent number of two and a half t- times is the lowest we've had since back when the last recession. What that says is, is that we're issuing more and more and more and more bonds, and the demand is starting to wane a little bit. Now, how does that affect you and me? Well, at this point, it really doesn't. At this point, because we're back to the question from menu. Uh, we have a national debt. We got to keep issuing bonds. And when does the issuance of these bonds finally begin to, uh, you know, c- cause a big warning? to come panic. In other words, bond buyers don't want them anymore. And now they want a lot more interest rate. And what if what if we issue so many bonds that it's you know the demand goes away and we can't even pay our own debt. That's the fear. We're way, way, way far away from that kind of situation. But we can't stay on this path forever. This path has to end sometime. And this little warning flag we have here where the, we had the weakest demand of our bonds since 2008. Is that a warning that um, bond buyers are worried that we might be going into recession? I went into this pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much quite a bit of depth today on Best Talk Academy, the class. But that's what this is all about. I, I'm just not convinced that we're we're at a point where it that is the problem that we are facing that we have to worry about. Don't know if that's the problem. Okay. Our anytime listen line eight 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 nine eight nine chart is the is your friend and yeah, as your investor you can get your questions in and answered, and I always try to get the answers to you very quickly after you ask them. Here's a question that came in earlier. Good afternoon, guys. Great show. Relatively new listener. Really enjoying it. Uh, long story short, in my late teens, early twenties, I used to trade stocks and a few futures, got married, had kids, still working, so I'm still putting money in my 401k, but now that I'm in my late 40s, I have a little uh, excess money that I'd like to start investing again on my own, and I'm just trying to figure out which firm would be the best for me. I'd like to trade stocks and futures again, uh, whether it be TD Ameritrade, Swab, E-Trade, something like that. I, I can't make up my mind. Who would be the best to go with? So hopefully maybe you could uh, give me some direction. Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. My name is Wes. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Really enjoy your show. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. 
Well, Wes, thanks for the question. Of those three you just mentioned, TD Ameritrade is my favorite. Matter of fact, we did a pretty big study a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now, as to which of the custodians give us the best service, has the best technology, and and have very competitive prices. And TD Ameritrade is the one that we finally settled on, and so it's one of our custodians. So I like TD Ameritrade a lot. Um, I like Schwab's website. Um, um, and they provide a lot of information, so it's not a bad way to go. And E-Trade is, is a really good online service. So there's, there's no, there's no, can't say anything really too negative about any of them. But if I was to make a choice, it would be TD Ameritrade. If you were going to twist my arm and make me make a choice, that's who it would be. Appreciate the call. Thanks for listening, too. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So the Fed Fund minutes were released. And if you're reading the minutes, which, of course, I do, you can tell that there's a, there's a, remember, okay, remember, the chairman of the Fed doesn't make the decision. He's the chairman. He has, there are 12 Federal Reserve members at any one time, nine of which vote. Okay, and the 12 members represent the 12 Federal Reserve districts in the United States. And they rotate as to who has the voting rights. So, it's the Fed chairman and those nine that are voting that decide what interest rates are going to do. The Fed chairman, of course, has a lot of influence, obviously. But he doesn't make the decision. So, reading the minutes, you could tell that some of the Federal Reserve uh, presidents don't they're the presidents of each of their region um, don't are not really in the mood to raising rates and it's obvious that the rates are going to be very slow this year there you know there may not be any rates till mid-year the minutes kind of hint that a rate coming in March notice the Federal Reserve never tells you exactly when and remember they're voting on this stuff but the but the minutes were pretty clear that there's no uniform we're gonna raise rates next meeting or anything like that pretty clear that that's not going to happen they were fairly clear that they think the higher interest rates are probably coming probably coming but it's going to be dependent on data the economic data coming out inflation data well something to watch remember we have inflation fell off in december um, and it's going to be economic data. And remember, we have the IMF ratcheted down the world growth. Uh, we ratcheted down our GDP growth next year. So, you know, Germany may be in a recession. Uh, Japan may be in a recession. You know, and as Germany goes, a lot of the EU countries are go. China is slowing down its economy. And all those Asian countries around it, you know, are going to be impacted. So, there's a lot of uncertainty out there about the economy. We all, all the pundits, all think it's going to continue to grow. That meaning our economy and the world economy for 2019. But there's, it's going to grow slower. That's what they all think. Of course, they could be wrong. I'm not. You know, experts are often wrong. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the four o'clock hour Pacific time every weekday. It's also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week via our archive podcast at investtalk.com.
So I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and our podcasting. We would love it. And now the lines are open. We're taking your financial investing questions live at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk, and Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose to meet with Invest Talk listeners that understand the value of receiving a free portfolio review from Steve. Mark your calendar, Wednesday, January 23rd. If you live anywhere in Northern California, you should reserve your space for a no-cost portfolio review consultation. Steve will analyze your portfolio's strengths and weaknesses so that you can start 2019 with a much better chance of building a comfortable financial future. Register now at investtalk.com. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions. Steve is here and you can get his unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Jay in Fremont. How you doing, Jay? Uh, hi, Steve. I'm fine, thank you. Uh, Steve, I have a question on ticker uh, Baidu, B, uh, uh, B-I-D-U. Uh, do you think it's a good buy? Or or, or do you think BABA, B-A-B-A is a good buy? Well, look, I'm looking at Baidu and I say yes. Uh, you know, the Chinese uh, market, stock market was in a bear market all last year. It looks like uh, uh Baidu, at least, looks like it put in a bottom right around 155. It's 168 now, so it's coming off. It broke the 20-day moving average yesterday and continued up today. So that is the first first buy signal, and I think it's fairly reasonable for the amount of growth you're going to get. They're going to make $9.68 this year. That's almost 30% higher than last year. Next year, they're going to go up to $10.62, another 10%. And it's a $168 stock. So that means we're looking at a PE of around 16.17. And I think that's reasonable with sales growth in the high teens and the low 20s. So if you're going to buy Baidu, why would you not buy it at this price? It seems like a pretty reasonable price. Return equity 17%, management owned 17%. Uh, 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 um, mutual funds or buyers. I, I don't know. Uh, Jay, I think it's a good price right in here. Can it go down further? Well, if the Chinese economy crashes, yeah. But I think long term, this is a good price. Baidu, B I D U is the symbol. And that's okay. Thank you for the call. That, a Chinese provider of internet search like Google. That's what they do. And so, you know, people have been waiting and waiting and waiting for it to become a, a bargain. Maybe this is the bargain that you were looking for. Okay. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay. Is this rally sustainable? We've had a very good start for January after the worst December in history. History. <coughs> Excuse me. That's, pretty, that's a pretty significant bad December. Worst December in history. Remember, December is usually an up month. Oh, but you know what? Never. It, oh, it's not always an up month. And obviously in December it wasn't. January, we've got a good start of the year. I just don't think you should get too excited. To be sustainable, this rally, to be sustainable, there's certain things that have to get out of the way. They have to be behind us. One is this trade dispute with China. The market to be sustainable, that has to be behind us. That has to be settled. Another thing, the Federal Reserve has to stop raising rates. 
that has to be behind us too. If it's not, these two are very big headwinds. And there's one other thing that hardly anybody's talking about that no one's paying attention to, and they should. And that's the high-yield market. This is the junk bond market I'm talking about. The junk bond market froze in December. I mean, there was very little junk bonds issued. Now, why is that important? It's important because a lot of corporations have been using junk bonds to funnel, fuel their growth, to continue in business, okay? And those that junk bond is usually short-term, short-term in nature. In other words, they have to keep refinancing it, okay, to keep the, their companies going. And certain companies won't keep going because in a, in a recession, junk bonds, there's a lot of them default, like 20% of them default, huge default rate versus investment grade, better bonds. They hardly, 2 or 3% of those, much smaller. This is what the problem you're facing. Okay, so the, the if, if the junk bond market doesn't start to reopen and reopen quickly, there's going to be a skyrocketing amount of bankruptcies. And of course, how negative is that for an economy? And to give you an idea of the size of the problem, there were $36 billion worth of junk bonds that were refinanced in 2018. That's how much junk bond was needed to refinance. This year, we need to refinance $110 billion worth of junk bonds. Remember, 36 to 100, three times. Next year, it goes from $110 billion in 2019 to $191 billion in 2020. And then, and then in 2021, it goes to $293 billion. And then 2022, it goes to $385 billion. You're gonna, they're going to have to refinance all this junk debt. And right now, the junk market, junk bond market is frozen. No one wants to buy it. Think of all those companies with all that junk bond that needs to be refinanced coming up. What if they can't do it? These are public companies, private companies, so anybody who borrowed money, and everybody was borrowing money like crazy people in the last, when the interest rates were so low by the Federal Reserve, pushing the rates down to zero. So everybody was borrowing money at very low rates. Well, they can't refinance them at very low rates. They got to refinance them at normal rates or more normal-ish rates. Their rates are going up. They gotta, can they afford it? Can they even do it? It's a big problem. Jump on market, better reopen. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. Today's program will be ending soon. We still have about 10 minutes, everybody. Remember, please, we keep our Anytime Listener line open all the time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can call now while we're live or anytime you want, and we'll answer your questions. Again, the number is 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, 11 questions to ask yourself when you're panicking about the stock market. To help you make the most of 2019, Steve will talk about some expert opinions and add his own. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Shannon in West Palm Beach, Florida. just have a question about a stock, Amarin Corporation, A-M-R-N. 
they have a, I guess it's like a biopharma tech company, and they have a fish oil. It's called the SEPA that's supposed to lower the risk of cardiovascular events in patients, and they have a clinical trial in the New England Journal of Medicine that's coming out. And uh, I guess there's been some skepticism on the placebo used in the trial, but I don't know if it's out yet or it's what's going on. But apparently it jumped up like 600%. And then apparently it's down a little bit now. And I was just curious what your thought on the stock was and maybe if it's a good time to buy or if it's already passed or what you thought about it. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for what you do. Okay, you're too late. Okay. Uh, um, uh, this is Amaron Corporation, symbol AMRN, Irish developer of novel drugs for the treatment of cardiovascular diseases with the field of uh, L-lipid science. It's a $5.6 billion company. They, they have sales growth at 17, 18%, 20%. Uh, they don't make money, therefore I wouldn't buy it. But there's buyout talks. So this stock was trading along in September, late, uh, late September, early October, about $3 a share, and then it jumped up to $12 a share, got up as high as 22, fell back to 13. Now it jumped up big today, but what was that percentage to move up today? Uh, 22% today, up to $18.35, from 13 to 18. It's too late. I think you're too late to the, the party because, you know, when you discover something like this, it's usually too late. Okay? Uh, when you have someone's going to buy out, there's I don't know if the buyouts are, are real or it's just talk. I don't know that. I'd have to do research on it. If it's a real, then you're too late. Anyways, if it's just talk about a buyout, that it looks like it's going to be a buyout, and those talks fall through, the stock is going to get hit like a stone. So it's too late. You don't you don't mess around with this. It's, you're too late into that game, and you just don't know. Remember, we're not, we, you, me, I, we're not in the know. We're not in the inside Wall Street group. These people, you know, will take your money faster than you can blink an eye. So you don't want to play their games. You don't know what's happening with this discussion. You don't know what Wall Street is doing in the background. You know, you don't have a clue if this deal is real or unreal. Okay, so don't mess around with it. It's hard to be right. It's so hard, and the chances of you being wrong are pretty big. And being wrong means losing a lot of money. Okay, so don't play don't play the game with them. Don't. Okay, now for you people out there who want to know how to become a millionaire, well, why don't you? There was a study looking at how self-made millionaires how they did in school and what and what they you know what were they like. And there was very interesting. They all have certain traits. Multimillionaires, they usually played competitive sports. They usually ran some kind of business or some kind of side business while they were still in school. They did not receive top grades. They don't, grades weren't that important. They tend to be over-optimistic generally. Okay, um, they they tend to learn from their experiences, their experience, not by analyzing things. In other words, they make decisions. They tend to be comfortable with conflicts with other people. They tend to be aggressive. They don't tend to be really friendly people necessarily. Hmm. 
And it says there is absolutely no correlation at all between their grades at school and their success to become a multimillionaire. No correlation. So parents, you're making your kids get good grades. Yeah, you know, that's nice. Makes you feel good, but doesn't make the kids any more wealthy. <laughs> One of the things they did, they, they thought being in sports or starting a business or working a business when they're young, they tend to learn how to deal with defeat, how to deal with things that go wrong and learn from that and grow from that. Think about that in your children. You always want to protect them. Maybe they shouldn't be protected against everything. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Talk program, and I thank you for your loyal support and your questions. I want you to have a great evening, everybody, and I'll be back tomorrow, Friday, and we'll talk about more about the market. So have a great evening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.